0: So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast. This is episode 500 for the 15th of Nissan in a regular year. Today is the first day of Pesach. So uh, if you're listening to this episode before Pesach, I wish you a wonderful Pesach. And if you're listening to it on Chol then I hope you're having having a nice Pesach. So yeah, so anyways, so today we're going to talk about birds and the unique ability that birds have in terms of flying. So this is something that many people kind of feel either consciously or subconsciously envious of. Uh, We know that the The um, the invention of the airplane was a huge revolutionary thing in uh, in the history of mankind. This ability to to take off off the ground and be able to travel like how birds travel across the world, literally across the world, and see the world in what we have termed a bird's eye view. This idea of a bird's eye view, you know, like it's when we describe somebody has a bird's eye view of something. This is like this idea of like you're stuck. You know, most of us when we're engaged. In a conflict, when we're engaged in a challenge in our lives, often. You know, we describe this as having tunnel vision, as, uh, as seeing the trees instead of the forest. And that's sort of the opposite of a bird's eye view. A bird's eye view is when you can really separate yourself and rise above the situation. Like sometimes, you know, if you have a conflict between two individuals and then you bring in a third person who can see the situation more objectively and see where both people are coming from and realize that both of them are right, it just depends on the perspective that you're looking at. So this is like sort of like the imagery, the metaphor of birds is this idea, idea of being able to rise above, being able to see things from a broader, bigger perspective, see things from their source, as one might say. Perhaps this is the reason why many people have recurring dreams of flying. That's one of the most common dreams that people have is is dreaming of flying. You know, there's sort of like this yearning for freedom that we have, this yearning to see things from this higher perspective. And that's actually what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about this from a spiritual perspective and how um, the world that we live in, you know, often feels very discombobulated, very disjointed. But in fact, there's a bird's eye view to the world as well, where in fact, on a certain level, if you go up high enough, uh, we, there's a source to our worlds. There's a source, in fact, to all worlds where everything really is uni- unified, where everything really is cohesive, is one and the same. And that when we engage in God's plan, meaning when we keep Torah and mitzvahs, which are the the dictates of god the the instructions that god gave us into how to live our lives we're actually it's not you know while it might feel very disjointed a lot of times like we're doing this particular mitzvah we're learning this little aspect of torah and it can sometimes feel like you know what's the point of it all what is my little lighting of shabbos candles my putting on tefillin whatever it is that i'm doing how does this affect the world in a grand scheme of things in fact as we'll learn today it actually does and the more aware you become of this... um of this interconnectedness of all of reality of uh, being able to tap into this bird's-eye view so to speak of reality the more of a cohesive effect it has um, so one analogy that comes to mind for me in terms of all of this is thinking about the running of a company um, thinking of let's say building a spaceship you know let's say you wanted to build a spaceship you know Elon Musk is really famous for wanting to go into outer space and things like that and so in the in terms of the building of a spaceship and perhaps Perhaps the spaceship is, a, is actually, I just thought of this, a really apt analogy because the spaceship is is flying upwards. It's going, you know, to see, literally to see the world from a bird's eye view kind of place. So so build, the building of the spaceship has so many different components to it. There's the actual mechanics of um, the actual uh, labor involved, like the people making the different parts of the spaceship. There's the people designing the different parts of the spaceship. There are the masterminds behind bringing it all together like what um, what parts need to go with what what parts do we need for the spaceship there's looking at uh, at you know the, the weather components how the atmosphere works with all that I this is not my field of expertise so uh, I can't I can't even imagine all the different aspects that go into this building of the spaceship um, and for each person who's working at a company that builds spaceship, let's say, uh, their particular job, they they're involved in their particular job. And again, it might feel very disjointed if they're not aware of the higher purpose of it all. You know, like if you have some guy in like um, making a screw in, in China, let's say <laughs> that he's just his job is just to make screws. He doesn't even know what the screws are for. Maybe he's not even aware of, uh, of what the screws are for. So he might uh, if it, it can become a very mundane kind of job, a very kind of like um, boring kind of job. Like, what's the point of it all? But if he was aware that what he was doing was actually he was creating screws for a sh- spaceship, which ultimately could serve this higher purpose of, uh, you know, discovering resources for Earth, which could really improve the quality of human existence, it would bring a lot more life, a lot more vitality into the work that he was doing, no doubt, right? So all the more so is this true when we tap into this bird's eye view of the world around us, um, when we're doing Torah and mitzvahs, when we're engaged in Torah and mitzvahs, and The truth is, as we'll learn, uh, this isn't just like some, you know, little mind trick, like a meditation, but in fact, the power of the minds, the power of our thoughts, the power of our intention is such that it actually literally does create a difference in reality in terms of... um, strengthening this cohesion, strengthening this interconnectedness of all of reality on high in the highest of sources, which as we'll see is the world of Etzellis, which actually trickles down into our worlds below. So this is going to be quite a technical um, section today. There's a, It might even seem a little bit abstract. Uh, a lot of Hasidic terms and everything like that, but I'm really going to try to break it down for you guys uh, to the best of my ability to try to make it as um, as comprehensible and relatable as possible some general concepts to bear in mind a little bit of a review of some of the main concepts that we're going to be looking at here uh one of which is the two energies of chesed and Gvora, which are sort of like we can think of as being the most primal energies in the world, the feminine and masculine. We see this actually in many cultures. People, you know, there's the Chinese yin and yang, and many other cultures have this masculine and feminine energy, which underlies all of creation. So in Judaism, we have this too. We have the chesed and the gevurah, which are these polar opposite energies. But as we'll learn today, these polar opposite energies, actually in their source, they're coming from the same source. So when we tap into the source, then we actually can see how these two energies are actually one and interconnected Um, and the more we tap into the source of these energies the more interconnected they can become the less disparate they can become the more unified they can be in terms of their mission here on earth and in all the worlds. Um, the other thing that we want to keep in mind is the different worlds. So we've spoken about the worlds of Atzilus, Brea, Yitzhira, and Assia. The world of Atzilus is sort of like a quasi-world in the sense that it's a world in a in a certain way, but it's actually, when we think about a world, a world implies that there's a disconnect from God, like a creation, a, you know, God and then he created a world, whereas the world of Atsilus is not. Not really disconnected from God. God is godliness is totally revealed in the world of Attila. We liken this to the potential for a child to be conceived, but there actually has not been a conception of a child at all. The conception of a child, on the other hand, is when we enter into the world of Bria. The world of Bria is also uh, is is the realm of the intellect. So that's when we're talking about serving God. It's the realm of um, of the in- intellectually generated love and fear of God. Uh, and then there's below that, there's the world of Yetzirah, which is like the formation of the fetus within the uterus of the mother. And that is like in, that's the realm of emotions, the emotive world. And it also has to do... Our service of God uh, on a purely emotional level, on an innately emotional level, our natural love and fear of God that we all have. Uh, and then we have the world of Asiya, which is likened to the actual birth of the child. That's the actual, the physical world we live in is part of this world of ASIA. It's something where there's an actual separation. It's like the birth of a child. There's something separate from God. It's the world which conceals godliness to the furthest extent. It's also the world of action. So it's the world, the realm in which we serve God in this very um physical kind of way and just like you know actually performing the mitzvahs actually learning torah in a in a very practical pragmatic kind of way we're also going to bring up this uh imagery of the bird which the ultra actually brings up himself and we're going to talk about how a bird can really be broken down into um three different components there's the body of the bird there's the head of the bird and then there are the wings of the bird and we're going to learn about how the body of the bird is the actual you know performance of the mitzvahs the actual doing of the mitzvahs and it's and the body and the head is the is learning torah and really if you think about a bird you know the actual like the body the head of the bird like what is the bird the bird is the body and the head um, but without wings a bird can't fly and so Let's say if if you had a bird that had a broken wing, God forbid, we'd still say that it was a bird, but it would be sort of like Nabach. It would be like, you know, unfortunate that this bird couldn't fly. So in order for the bird to fly, it needs to have its wings. What do the wings represent in terms of our service of God? The wings represent um, love and fear of God. Which basically alludes to the fact that while, you know, the main aspect of our service of God is the actual performance of the mitzvah, the actual learning of Torah, um, it's, it's, it, if we want our Torah mitzvahs to fly, if we want to obtain this bird's eye view, if we want to go beyond the uh, dis- disparate view of reality the disjointed view of reality if we want to start to tap into this interconnectedness of reality we need to to generate those wings Um, we'll also see how the bird itself uh is actually very much associated with the world of of yitzira uh not to get too much into a tangent but the altar explains that in this chapter because the world of Yetzira, which again is the world of emotion is also associated with with the realm of Mishnah in terms of Torah study like each there's so many different ways to categorize the worlds, and one way of categorizing the world is in terms of different types of Torah study so whereas our world the world of Asiya, has to do with learning Mikra which is like the written Torah like the actual like, Chumash, Navim you know that kind of thing then you have Yetzirah which is the beginning of the oral Torah that's the level of Mishnah that's like where the, all of the mitzvahs are explained you know in detail just kind of like what do you need to do and all of that and um Then the Bria is associated with Gemara, which is more of an elaboration upon the mitzvahs and the reasoning. And, you know, there's lots of more, um, stories in the in the Gemara, all, all kinds of different things. And then Kabbalah finally is associated with Atzilis. So really if we're talking about um, the body of the mitzvahs, which is how we perform the mitzvahs, what to do, that's the realm of Yitzirah, which is why the bird analogy is really apt for the world of Yitzirah. So not to confuse you guys too much, I think at this point, I think it would be good to get into the text and see how the Alterabah breaks all of this down. And we'll explain more as we go through this text and I'll, I'll probably be reiterating a lot of these ideas that I, I brought up already in this introduction, uh, just to really f- further clarify everything. And so let's do this together. So here we go. So um, for context, again, we are in the middle of chapter 40 of Likotiam And so we've been discussing what happens when we have different types of intention or lack thereof in terms of performing Torah and mitzvahs. So we talked about the idea of what happens if a person has like a, a negative intention in terms of keeping Torah and mitzvahs and, you know, like a self-aggrandizement and that kind of thing. And how that kind of um, motivation in terms of keeping mitzvahs and learning Torah does not allow the Torah and mitzvahs to move from the world of a sea at all to ascend from the world of of a sea at all. Which now keeping in mind this uh this analogy of the bird that we've been talking about makes a lot of sense. It's like if you're stuck in your own ego, in your own sense of self, and this is your motivation for whatever it is that you do, you're never going to be able to get that bird's eye view. You're going to be totally stuck within that space. Um, then we spoke about the idea of neutral intention, where it's like you're not motivated by self aggrandizement necessarily. You're just kind of like going through the motions. You're doing what we need to do. You're doing, you're, you know, you're a good Jew. You're keeping the mitzvahs. You're learning Torah. You have a regular shir, or whatever it is, but you're not specifically cultivating your love and fear of God. Um, you're not doing it for the holiest of purposes necessarily. So in that case, uh, there is a certain power to the Torah mitzvahs that do allow them to ascend um, because of the power inherent within them. So there's not like a blockage to their ascension in that sense, but they only ascend to the superficial level of these worlds, which are termed the chambers, the hechalos of the worlds, um, You know, which is where the angels are in the worlds. So now, today, we're going to move on and we're going to talk about Okay, what happens, though, if a person actually has has good intention, not only good intention, but actually very holy intention? They're doing the Torah and mitzvahs for the sake of God. Lishma is called in Hebrew. So the Altar it begins today, and he says that, however, prayer with intention and Torah with intention, like the true intention, the ideal intention of Lishma, like for the sake of heaven... This, in this case, then the, the intention becomes vested within the letters of speech since it is the source for them because it is because of this intention that we're speaking these words because you know, when a person really has the right intention, when they have the intention that they are praying for the sake of heaven, it's like, okay, so that means the whole reason why they're moving their mouth and they're moving their lips is for the sake of heaven. So the source of the speech now becomes this holy thing. And thus, because the source of the speech is this holy thing, he is able now to elevate these things to their place in the yud of Yetzira or Bria. So the the ten spheres of Yetzira and Bria. So now it can get elevated to that more inner place, to the building blocks of these worlds, not just to the external aspects of them because it is with the true intention of love and fear of whether it's the intellectual love and fear or the more innate love and fear which we talked about in previous in the previous chapter how there's two different types of holy intention a person can have and so thus it's able to have like when a person does have this proper intention then this is why they are able to elevate their Torah and mitzvahs and their prayer to these higher realms in a true sense in the spheros of these higher realms and in these spheres of these higher realms, are revealed the light of the Ein Sof, which is the supernal will that is vested within the letters of Torah that he learns with their intention, or or the prayer with intention, or mitzvahs with intention, with a great, great, great radiance to an infinite degree, which is not, which is something that cannot actually be revealed here in this physical world, not even a little bit. Until the end of times, when the world will be elevated from its physicality and the glory of God will be revealed, as is explained above at length. Like we talked about this
1: previously this
0: idea that how in the future everything will be revealed in a true way. Now there's a parenthesis that's in the text that we're going to explore. Uh, that's really going to explore this idea that we spoke about in the introduction about how when you do take this bird's eye view of everything, then you start to realize um, how the energies really fuse, how everything really is interconnected um, and One way that I like to think about this is in terms of like, you know, the running of a company and thinking about all the component parts that go into the running of a company and how when you look at each individual job uh, individually, it might seem really different and disconnected, like what the accountant does and what the uh, mechanic does are really so different. But when you pull back and you go back to the source and you see the owner of the company or the CEO of the company, then you start to see how all of these different jobs are really very interconnected and they kind of fuse into one and um the disconnect between them really dissolves so that's that's what this parentheses uh is really going to explore in terms of the energies the essential energies of that underlying creation it's so the altar says that there and what does he mean by there there is in those higher realms that we discussed already in uh previously in the chapter about that where the Torah and mitzvahs ascend to when we have the proper intention. So there is also revealed the supernal unity. So in addition to just the fact that we, the Torah and mitzvahs become revealed in these higher realms, in addition to this, this is a new thing, is the supernal unity is revealed, which comes about through the mitzvahs and the learning, which is the unification of God's mitos, of God's character traits which become one encompassed within the other. And the gvoros, like the severities, become sweetened through it within the chasadim, within the the more loving kindness kind of energy. Through the ace ratzon, so like the, the auspicious time, basically, the, of the supernal well of the infinite light that is revealed there in a, in a way of, a vast revelation, of great revelation that is very intense through this arousal from below, which what is the arousal from below? This is doing the mitzvah or being involved in Torah within which is vested the supernal will of God. So, again, just to translate this into like simple kind of English is what the altar is saying is that basically through us doing God's Torah and mitzvahs, because this is these are the will of God, this reveals on high. So once again, the Torah and mitzvahs become ascends to these supernal realms and this reveals on high how they are all united. So they actually become they uh, they create this unity on high. Because it's all coming from the same place, it's all coming from God's well, and then the altaric goes on, and he says, "But the main unity is really high up in the world of Etyus, so if you remember the world of Atslus, the world of emanation is the highest of all the worlds, which which there is the being and essence of his attributes of his mitos, which are totally united within their emanator." Their infinite emanator. So again, remember we talked about this idea that the, if you recall, there's the four worlds, Atsilus, Bria, Yatira, and Aceya. And Attilus is kind of different than the other worlds because it's not in starting in Bria and the ones below it, the entities within that world are somewhat separate from God, from their creator. So there's like this separation between them. They have their own independent existence. Whereas in Etcilos, which is the highest of all the worlds, they don't so at is the world of emanation so anything that exists within that world is totally united with God and doesn't have its own existence and so that is why we can understand that in that higher realm this is where the highest unity is revealed because this is where the essence and the uh, and 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 the being of the supernal will is the infinite supernal will, and this is where it becomes revealed and so when we talk about the other worlds, like the worlds of in brief, we say Bia, which is Bria, Yetzirah, and So it, those other worlds only get a revelation as opposed to the world of Atsilus, which is the actual essence and being of God's will versus the other worlds only have a revelation of this world. And each world has a revelation according to its level. And now, even, now, this is the really cool thing, is that even if you have, so we remember we talked about how different souls have different worlds that they're connected with, like different soul sources, soul origins, soul roots, kind of, so even if the a soul of a person who is involved in this Torah study or in this mitzvah doesn't actually come from Attilus, which that's most people, because not a lot of souls come from Attilus, nevertheless, the supernal will that becomes vested within this mitzvah which is what is the supernal world will, will that is vested within this mitzvah? This is the actual halacha that is in uh, the Torah that he's involved with, is actual godliness, which is the light, the infinite light of the emanator. So, the, so it's it's like sort of like this, like direct chain of events that God that even if a person like let's say you have like a person who their soul is not necessarily from a it's from one of the lower worlds nevertheless when they involve themselves in Torah study or in doing the mitzvahs they these the Torah study and the mitzvahs do come from a speak because they are God's will that's what they are and we know that God and his will are one are totally united and and God emanated his will and within his will, God emanated his character character traits, his mitos which are totally united with him. So you can't really separate God and His will is basically what the altar was saying. And so through revealing God's will, which becomes revealed in the Torah and Mitzvahs, then these character traits, these, these characteristics of God, these mitos become encompassed one within the other. And the gvuras, the severities become sweetened in the chasadim, in the more loving kindness type of attributes during this time of supernal will so that's the end of the per- this first parenthesis. there's going to be a couple of other ones as we'll see so just to sum up this parenthesis, what the ultra ultraviolet is saying here is that when we do Torah and mitzvahs it's a really amazing thing because Torah and mitzvahs are God's will they are a direct expression of God's will so when we perform God's will This gives us like a direct link to God himself, as is ultimately expressed in this world of Atsilis, because in this world of Atsilis, which is the world of emanation, God and everything else that exists within that world are totally one. There's no separation between the two. And we know that God's will and God are one in the same as well. So again, to go back to the analogy of the company, so... Regardless of which department they're in, even if the departments might seem to really contradict one another, like maybe one department is involved in cooling different items and one department is involved in heating up different items. I don't know, I'm just making this up, but different departments might seem to really have nothing to do with each other and might at first glance almost like contradict one another's essence so this would like be the idea of like the difference between chassad and gvora when you go back to the mastermind behind it all and when you realize what's really happening then you realize that ultimately all of these different actions really are united because they are all expressions of the owner of the company they're all expressions of his vision and ultimately a person's will just like god's will is really united with them so if you think about it when people work for someone's company especially if it's the founder of the company then they're they're uniting with this person in a very big way so all the more so if you could just imagine you know when we're doing the will not just of some random person but we're actually doing the will of God then this creates a, a great connection to God and it also allows this revelation of God's will to happen and a revelation of the fusion of all the disparate aspects of God's character traits and 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 his energies to fuse together the altar right now takes us back into the text, uh, where he's going to bring up this analogy of the bird, as we spoke about in the introduction. So the altar of says that through this, meaning everything we've learned so far in this section, we will come to understand how it is that love and fear of God are called wings by way of analogy. As it says, and here uh, the altar rebba brings a citation from Yeshayahu chapter 6, verse 2 which says, and with two wings, he flies. So the altar is saying that this is alluding to the two attributes of love and fear. And then in brackets, the altar says that, and this is also what Rabbi Chaim Vital of blessed memory said in the gate of unity in Shara HaYechudem in chapter 11, that the wings of a bird are like the arms of man. And similarly in the Tikkunim, it discusses how those who are involved in Torah mitzvahs out of fear and love are called children. But if they're not, then they are called fledglings because they cannot actually fly. Now here, the altar of it gets into the footnote. And so here, uh, so here we go. So the altar says that in Tikkun 45 of Tikkun Zohar, it is written that the figure of a bird represents the archangel Metatron. So what, so what does this mean? So the altar is going to explain this. So he says that the head of this angel, Metatron, is the letter Yud of Hashem's name. So remember Hashem's name, the Tetragrammaton, which is the four letter name of god so it's like the most supernal name of god where all other name names of god stem from so it's made up of four levels it's made up of yud. it's made up of hay it's made up of vav and then another hay at the end so in describing this angel metatron so if we think about this image of a, of a bird that's that's what i guess the angel the image of the angel kind of looks like is we can so we can understand it like this. So that basically the head of this bird or angel is the Yud, the letter Yud of this name of God. The body of the angel or the bird is Vav. And the two wings are the two Hays. And now the ultraviolet is going to give us an interesting fact, which is that the world of Yetzirah is actually called Metatron. So thus, when we think about the world of Yetzirah we can liken it to Metatron so what does this mean so in what what do we know about Yetzirah so in Yetzirah this is where all this is likened to the Mishnah so we've I I believe we talked about this already in Tanya but we're mentioning it here again that that each world has a different aspect of Torah which is like the realm of that world and so in the world of Yetzirah is the world of Mishnah. And so within that world of Mi- which within that world of Yetzirah are found the Mishnah. which what are what is the Mish- Mishnah basically? It's all of the various halachos, like all of the various laws of the Torah. And so then when we again, so now we know we're seeing a bird, we're also seeing this angel, Metatron, and then we're seeing Gitsira, and we're kind of making all of them synonymous. So now when we talk about how the bird, the the head of this bird, what does the head represent? The head represents the mind it represents intelligence, which is the aspect of the chokhmah bina and das, the three intellectual attributes, right? Which is what? What does this mean when we talk about Mishnah? Like when we're talking about this world of Yitzira, this is the inner aspect of the halachos. This is their secrets, the the more esoteric meaning behind them, and the meaning behind them. Like it's sort of like the inner meaning of the mitzvahs. This is the the head, the intellect of the mitzvahs of the halacha. And the two wings. What are the two wings? The two wings, which are the two hayes that we talked about. This is love and fear, as we mentioned previously in the introduction. So this. So then we have two hayes. Why do we have two hayes? Because the higher hay. Because again, we have the yud, the hay. So that's the higher he, the first hay that appears in that name, is love of God, and then the lower hay, which is the last hay, the end of the yud kevav ke name is represents lower fear fear which is like just having like a sense of fear of god like just like kind of like this basic level of like fear and awe of god um which is that we're like scared like there's like a sense of dread and fear of god's kingship just like you would be scared of a actual king of flesh and blood for example So you might like tremble if like a king walked into the room, make sure you're standing at attention, you know, all that kind of stuff, which is like the more external type of fear that is really revealed, which is not the case. So there's actually a higher level of fear that we're going to be learning about, which is a more fear of shame. Like it's like more of this like shameful kind of thing. And this is like a fear of those things which are hidden to God like so only god knows about them so it's like a certain kind of like awe more than like just like an innate like oh, oh wow i don't want the king to punish me kind of thing it's more of this like reverence kind of thing is this higher le- higher level of fear and and this higher level of, of fear is found in this higher level of wisdom which is the yud of the name Yod-K-Vav-K, the tetragrammaton as is written about in Ramah. So just to sum that up a little bit. So again, if we look at this like imagery of a bird, so there's the head of the bird, there's the body of the bird, and there's the wings of the bird. And we also talked about how the bird represents this angel Metrotron, which is the angel that is synonymous with the world of Yitzira And this world of Yitzhira is related to Mishnah, which is the part of Torah that has to do with Halachos, with, with the various Jewish laws like the way that the actual practical way that we need to serve God and so then when we look at this bird so it has it's made up of a head a body and two wings the head of the bird is can be thought of as the intellect of the bird which means that it's the inner understanding of these halachas like the actual meaning behind them the inner aspects of them then we have the body of the bird which is the actual body of the halachas itself and then we have the wings of the bird, and the wings of the bird are the love and fear of of God that are necessary for doing god 's will properly and then we also talked about how we can also look at this bird as and the various parts of the bird as being symbolic of the various na- the various letters within the tetragrammaton within the four letter name of God, and how the head this intellect this more like inner aspect of the the laws and meaning behind it all, this represents the letter yud of the name. Then the body of the bird, which is the actual body of the halachos itself. This represents the letter Vav of the name, Yudke Vavke. And then the the two wings represent the two hayes. There's the higher hay and the lower hay. The higher hay of the bird represents one wing, which is which represents love, love of God. And the second wing represents fear, specifically speaking, the lower level of fear of God, which is just like a sense of dread that a person might have, just like they would have when they see a physical kind of king. And then the altar left off with like a little note about the fact that there's not only lower level, level of level fear there's also a higher level of fear but that is represented to not by the letter hey but it's rather represented by the letter yud because it's connected to this more intellectual kind of understanding that's connected more to chokhmah and so now we go back into the main body of the text where the ultra uh, elaborates a little bit more with this bird analogy so the altar Rabbi says that just like the wings of a bird are not the main thing of the bird, they're not the main components of the bird and the life force of the bird is not dependent upon them at all so this is just like what is implied in the mishnah and this is from masechet chulin chapter 3 mishnah 4 where it says Nitlu agafea kshira so this is literally means if a bird doesn't have wings anymore, if its wings were taken off of it, it's still considered kosher. So again, showing us that the main aspect of a bird is not actually its wings, but rather the main thing is the head of the bird and its entire body. And the wings, the purpose of the wings is that they serve the head and the body to allow this bird to fly with, with them. And now this is analogous to the Torah and mitzvahs. This is the main the main thing of the supernal unity is through the Torah and mitzvah. And the Torah and mitzvahs is what reveals the supernal will. And the love and fear, they elevate this Torah and mitzvahs to the place in which the will, in other words, the light of the the infinite, the light of the infinite of of blessed be he, the light of infinite God, and his unity will be revealed, which is, what is this referring to? This is referring to the worlds of Yetzirah and Briah. So in other words, the actual unity that happens, happens as a result of the Torah and mitzvahs that we do. This is, this causes the actual unity. However, for this unity, for this unity to be revealed in the higher realms, specifically in the realms of Yetzirah and Briah, we need to have the wings. We need to have the love and fear of God. Now the ultra rabbi goes into a footnote here and the footnote is in reference to the world. So we're going to have a little bit of an understanding of world of worlds and how that works. So just w- we concluded this section before getting to the footnote saying that this elevation happens in the higher realms, namely Itzira and Bria. But now in the in the note here. In the brackets, the ultrapace says that it actually could not could be not only it's and brya, but the this revelation may also happen in the realm of in the world of asia, which is the lowest of all worlds. That's where our world is, in the ten spheres of holiness, which is the place of the practical mitzvahs, and also the place of a Mikra, Mikra is scripture. So This is just to explain that. So when we say, you know, when we say learning Torah, what do we mean by that? There's many different ways that we could learn Torah. So there's learning the scripture of Torah. This is like Bible study. We can think of it. So that's Mikra. Then there's Mishnah, which is the oral Torah as it was originally written down in the different, the six tractates of the Mishnah. And then there's the Gemara which is an elucidation on the Mishnah. And it's a much lengthier and a lot more commentary. Most of it's in Aramaic and things like that. And then there's the level of Kabbalah, of Sud. This is like the more mystical aspect of things. So the ultra is going to kind of talk about all of these here so this and and how each realm corresponds to one of these types of learning so the type of learning of mikra of scripture this is related to the world of Asiya of this lowest of all worlds and then there's mishnah and so mishnah is related to the world of yetzira so so mishnah reveals this unity of god in the world of Yitzira, and Talmud, which is that, the Gemara, that is reveals the unity of God in the world of Bria. So, meaning to say, so the ultra is elaborating on this a little bit that when we learn Mikra, when we learn Scripture, then the unity of the light of God, of the light of the Or in Sof Baruch it's called in Hebrew like the light of the infinite, blessed be He, spreads forth from Atzilus, the highest realm, until Asiya, the lowest realm. And when we learn Mishnah, then it only reaches up to the world of Yetzira. So it spreads forth out from Atzilus into the until the realm of Yetzira. And when we learn Talmud, when we learn Gemara, then it goes till Bria. So then it spreads forth from Atzilus into Bria, because they all exist within Atzilus. And then when we learn Kabbalah, which is the more mystical aspect of Torah, then it does not spread forth at all out of gets into the other three realms of Bria, Tira, and hieranasia at all as is written in the Priya time so that's the end of this section so just to recap so basically what we learned is that just like a bird the main component of the bird is not the wings it's the head and the body of the bird so too in our service of god our wings which is our love and fear of god are not the main aspects of our love and fear but rather the main aspects of our service of God is the actual practical doing of the mitzvahs and learning torah and those kind of things just like with a bird in order for it to fly it needs wings so too in order to have our torah rise up and fly up to the higher realms we need to have that love and fear and then we broke down a little bit more in detail what each realm when we say flying up what do we mean by that and where does it become expressed this unity so the unity itself again happens by virtue of our service and then the unity becomes revealed in the higher realms through our intention, namely through our love and fear. And so then we said that, okay, so if we're learning scripture, if we're learning mikra, then what happens is this unity gets revealed in all four worlds. It reveals itself in its silas because everything is in its and then it reveals itself all through all the worlds until it reaches the world of Asiya where it becomes revealed because that's the lowest one. Then when we learn Mishnah, then it becomes revealed from Atsilis down till Yatira. When we learn Gemara, then it becomes revealed this unity from Atsilis into Bria. And when we learn Kabbalah, it only stays revealed within the world of Atsilis because it's such a high type of learning, this mystical type of stuff. So I hope that gave you a little bit of an idea of the spiritual geography of how all of this works and then we will continue with this tomorrow when we conclude this chapter and i will speak to you then thanks for listening to the it is top podcast hosted by Sarit switzer this podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather abraham yitzhak ben ben cohen of blessed memory music by shoshana